Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this Thanksgiving weekend in uh, in America and this non-holiday everywhere else. Everywhere else. Although they, <laughs> I think they, I think everybody has their version of Thanksgiving somewhere sometime. It's kind of like Margaritaville, right? It's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're moving into the holiday season. Who'd have known Thanksgiving 2021. And it came awfully quick, even though it, it seemed it took forever to get there. Yes. But, um, anything on the theme front for you, Michelle, things have been going on with clients. Well, my, you know, I have a mix of sort of extremes right now, people that are very connected to their families and taking a break because this, they're either traveling or spending time with family this week. And then other people who are single without family, uh, either nearby or, you know, children at all, like uh, just single people, divorced, widowed, widowers, that kind of thing. And so how to find meaning in the holiday, how to find your gratitude when you feel alone. Some people, we did an episode a little while ago called a fear of missing out and also fear of going out and also fear of normal. Right. Right. And so some of the things that have come up is a little bit of fear of going out, you know, the um, Delta and variants of the COVID breaking through the immunization and is it safe still to gather with a group of people, especially indoors. So there's some of that going on. And I think that fits right in line with get control of your anxiety. It it does. Um, (laughs) Interestingly enough, off the air, Michelle and I've been chatting about um, my, my new explorations, even though it turns out that I've it turns out that my new explorations are old explorations because <laughs> as many of you know, I love Virginia Satir and I love what she brought to the neuro-linguistic programming field. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't think it's a secret that I, I believe that even Grinder and Bandler would admit that they modeled their neuro-linguistic programming, not only on Milton Erickson, but on Virginia Satir and her mm-hmm. family therapy approach to to the world and I love this woman mm-hmm. and Michelle brought what I'm about to tell you Michelle uh, brought up uh, Virginia Satir's family sculpting which is uh, another version at least in my opinion of psychodrama and mm-hmm. how to create this whole uh, sphere mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of people influencing your life so I, I have started expanding into uh, family constellations and that whole whole uh, I'm not going to call it a psychodrama as much as I'm going to call it an energetic field because I think Mm -hmm. that's how it's approached with that and the reason I bring all this up in light of today's show in general but what you just said a moment ago Michelle 
is that one of the things that you do, at least in the Virginia satire psychodrama slash family sculpting mm -hmm. construct mm -hmm. is you figure out where people go, mm -hmm. <laughs> where they fit. Yeah. And, you know, as we talk about moving into the holidays, I wonder how many people have lost, not only because of COVID, but because of death, et cetera, they've lost the coherency of the family structure. Mm -hmm. And so the order of things has changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I was going to bring up during our discussion about anxiety, might as well just bring it up now, is one of the things to ask yourselves is, where do you fit anymore mm -hmm. in the family? Mm -hmm. And if, if you can't if you can't identify your role mm -hmm. and you can't identify the roles of others, mm -hmm. then perhaps that's what's creating the, the disconnect and the, and the anxiety. It's not just the holidays. And I, and I certainly am not discounting weather has a lot to do with it. Missing someone and grieving has a lot to do with it. Hormonal imbalances have right. a lot to do with it. You know, your, the state of your health, all of these things mm -hmm. come into play with all of sure. it. Uh, what I'm starting to notice quite a bit, just with my own personal family mm -hmm. zones, because uh, <laughs> we, we've all got them, right? Everybody's got their little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And I was talking, my sister was out visiting this last week, and I was talking to her about a pattern that I had recognized as I was going through the psychodrama slash family constellation models. Mm -hmm. There was a model, at least on my mom's side of the family mm -hmm. to a little bit on my dad's side, but on my mom's side, nobody talked to anybody. Mm. It was constantly warring tribes. Mm. You were on one side or another. It was, you know, factions. No one triangled in the middle. And no, not like, that I'm aware peacemaker? of. Okay. No, but what mm -hmm. that wound up doing was leaving voids in the family structure uh. that other people felt the need to replace, you know, I, I, and I don't think it comes as any surprise. I'm very type A. I was the guy the, you know, the kid in school that believed I'll just do the project. I hated group projects. I've said, <laughs> I I've said this before. I hated group projects because nobody could do it as good as I could do it uh -huh. in my head. Nobody could get it done as fast as I could get it done uh -huh. in my head. Uh -huh. And nobody was as organized uh -huh. as well, I could in my head. And so uh I, I would say modern day, that is still true of you, Scott. It's not just in your head. And thank you for letting me partner with you in this podcast, because <laughs> you really are the more organized one <laughs> that gets it done faster. And this is kind of a group project. So thank you. Thank no, you for you're making welcome. an exception. It you're welcome. Your so, so I, my I, make, gratitude. <laughs> I make no apologies. I don't play well with others. It, it, and I never, and I never have. The oh. interesting thing is there's, I can start seeing that pattern now of, yeah. you know, when suddenly your cousin's don't speak anymore or yeah, yeah, your, yeah. you don't see your uncles or you don't see your, your aunts yeah, and you yeah. don't, it's like, then you start playing those roles. And I'm the right. oldest and I'm the oldest child. Oh, and so I have readily started seeing I took on the parent role a lot, yeah. no yeah, matter yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so my sister and I were chatting and she started seeing the patterns, too. And oh. so I, I'm asking people as we move into the holidays to start exploring that, too. Yeah. 
And one of the best things I can suggest, this also goes to some anxiety control, is to start asking yourself when you start feeling anxious yeah. about something, yeah. do you feel big or do you feel small? It's I'm a big, small. I'm, 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 most people feel pretty small. Um, I think so. And yeah. so the question becomes then who are you giving up your role power to? or your role to? Yeah. And I think that that's a real eye opener as we go yeah. into the holidays, particularly now that I think some families are, are getting together for the holidays. Yeah. Um, they're at least not socially or physically distancing in that regard, yeah. whether you're doing it virtually, you're doing it in your head, you're doing it live, uh-huh. the question still becomes, how have the roles changed through all of this craziness? Right. You know, can I point out as from my own, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm thinking about my own life. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a leader, kind of a latchkey kid. So latchkey Gen Xers get thrown into the role of leadership and we figure it out while we're going. Right. Yeah. So that that's kind of a common Gen X thing. And so being thrust in the role of leader before you're totally ready is, is kind of like a lifelong thing that a lot of us relate to. But what I find is funny is I will take the leadership role in a group and, and don't always love group work like you except if I trust my partner or my leader. So what I've noticed about my life these days is like, I totally trust you to take the lead and to find new cool stuff for us to talk about or new tech for us to experience or that kind of, and at home with Brian, there's some ways that he's like so good at leading that I can just trust that he's going to take care of it. And that's such a nice experience for a person like me who often most of her life felt like if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done or it wasn't going to get done right. Or so it's, it's really nice to develop Uh, good relationships with other people that are good leaders. So you can like relax a little. (laughs) So I'm sorry, I'm not doing that for you in our podcast. Sometimes I think I do. Well, you actually, (laughs) you actually do, but thank you. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, and the one thing that I've learned as, as I've matured, we'll Uh call it that, you know, as I've, as I've moved through the ages is there's just not a lot of shit I'm going to take anymore. Yep, me too. Um, so me it's too. not really it's not really keeping my shit together. It's knowing where I want my shit to be. Oh, that's and, true. <laughs> and and so it's it's like you know I just it, at times you know you and I work really well together. We do, and we've known mm-hmm. that from the beginning. Yeah. And there are that's different elements mm-hmm. that we bring to the table. Why you might discount some for yourself. I look at this <laughs> as a partnership. You look at your relationship. With I your do. significant other as a partnership, mm-hmm. I look at my with Carolyn too. And mm-hmm. so one, you know, one of the things that again you were bringing up the holidays, we are both mm-hmm. dealing with family members who have lost their significant others. Oh yeah. And so hard. and so as a result of that, we're watching them go through a period where mm-hmm. they don't have that ability to share, like it's what true. you and I are chatting about. It's true. And what I don't like to see are mm-hmm. people withdrawing then into the cave they become these hermits yeah um and they they white knuckle or endure their way through the holidays it's true it's true and so as hard as it is one of the things that i invite people to do is if nothing else through the virtual platform there yeah. are folks out there we've talked about this before is connecting um yeah. you know the other thing for those of you that are in 
the financial place to do so, uh, or more importantly, have the emotional and mental need to do so. You know, one of the things I've been seeing recently, Michelle, are people actually questioning the need for counseling therapy or coaching Mm -hmm. based on finances. Oh, really? And it's a very, I I have not done that. I haven't seen this for quite a while, but now it's like, Mm -hmm. nope, that's too much money. Nope, Michelle, I'm not paying you that an hour. Mm -hmm. Scott, I'm not going to pay you that an hour. And, you know, the response obviously is, I understand that. I appreciate it. You do what you need to do to be comfortable. There's always in the back of my head, though, that little subroutine that keeps say, that keeps running that says, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, here's how much whoever it is you're going to see costs. You've broken it down on an hourly rate. Have you mm-hmm. ever stopped to ask yourself the value of what you're getting for that, the return on your investment mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. if you take the position, I cannot afford to go to a therapist, mm-hmm. whatever the cost, including embarrassment, right? I can't avoid mm-hmm. the emotional cost of it. I can't afford mm-hmm. the, the financial cost of it. I can't afford mm-hmm. the energetic cost of it. My question keeps being, where are you going to be in a year if you don't pay for it? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to be in a year if things don't change? You know, I, this is a financial podcast, but um, someday maybe we'll have them on as a guest, but there's a podcaster I love called um, well, her name is Paula and she runs a podcast called, you can, uh, it's called afford anything. And the tagline is you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything. And there so I like to look like at that. when you're thinking about spending your resources, can you afford not to do certain things? Because, you know, depending on the structure of your, your government, anything that you do for mental health and well-being is often tax deductible, your health savings account, your, your financial spending account. There's also educational, if it's helping you be better at your career, there's, it can be certain deductions that you take based off of that. You got to talk to your tax professional, whatever that is. But my point is um, this idea that, you know, maybe I, I say this to people all the time, maybe you can't afford me, but there are therapists out there less available these days because we're all overloaded with COVID. Um, but there are therapists out there on your insurance plan or who are newer in the field and take a sliding scale fee. And, you know, can you afford not to invest in your own education and your own personal growth and your own wellness at a time like this? It's just kind of fascinating. And, and, I want to celebrate those people that that come live to our to our recording, as well as the people that listen in afterwards, because Scott and I were talking about how we have four thousand listens, maybe a little more than that. I'm actually pulling up the stats right now. We are at four thousand and two as we speak. <laughs> So thank you all who have listened to one or more of our podcasts and got us to the 4,000 listens mark. It is really exciting. And while the the things that we teach you are not a substitute for legal or coaching or therapy or mental health professional work one-on-one with somebody, I hope it's been helpful because I continue to learn from working with you, Scott. And when I research a particular topic, I learn for our listeners in order to teach them. And I hope that, you know, if, if any of you are grieving or need to say goodbye to some things, you might want to check out like episode 64, how to say goodbye, 
or if you're thinking about hypnosis, you might want to check out the Power of Hypnosis podcast. I just want you to think about um, the, the resources that are out there for the taking if you're willing to put yourself first. Because if you're saying no to you, what are you saying yes to? I just really would want people to take a look at you know, what yeah. they're spending their time and resources on. Yeah. And, I, and by the way, that that's else. how I was going to transition into where we're going right now. Oh. I love that you just brought that up. <laughs> well, every, every situation that everybody faces, there's a yes and no to it. Mm-hmm. And it is binary. What mm-hmm. are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't mind, I'll just transition into our discussion no, of anxiety today. And that, that is getting brutally honest with yourself that you're anxious or that you're grieving or that you're worried or whatever it is that you want to label it and call it. Um, And, and the one thing I want to preface, I guess, with all of this, I'm not here as a, a performance and life coach to oversimplify the emotions that you have, for example. And Michelle and I come at this from different perspectives. And we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I take you where you are and move you forward. Michelle takes you where you are and explores some of the background to it and moves Mm -hmm. you forward. Mm -hmm. The the whole idea though is starting, you know, it's very much because we've got, I I think we all have family members at some time or another who have struggled Mm -hmm. with drugs or alcohol or mm-hmm. emotional issues. Mm-hmm. There's nothing anybody can do from an intervention standpoint, unless someone admits they have a problem. Yes. And, and until you realize that deep down inside, you wake up at two in the morning and you're sad, mm-hmm. sad, being sad, isn't a problem. Being sad becomes a problem when it affects the way you function through life. Mm-hmm. And don't think for a minute as we go through all these things that at least I am not, and I know enough for Michelle to speak for her, nobody here is attempting to have you cover this up, you know, shove it under the rug Mm-mm. or ignore it. Uh, quite the contrary. One of the big things for me when I work with folks is getting them to say, this is how I feel, mm-hmm. do that little check-in. And I, I mm-hmm. do have people do the subjective units of distress and the light scale, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have them go through and do all that. Where are you right now? Mm-hmm. And you lean into it. It's, the, mm-hmm. it's very Pema Chodron-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just made up that term. Uh, very Pema <laughs> Chodron-ish, uh, where you lean into the emotion, mm-hmm. you own it, and you do a little loving kindness on yourself to begin with. And you're not saying, I don't feel, I don't feel depressed. It's, mm-hmm. I feel depressed. And mm-hmm. I want to lean into that and know what it is. Because once you identify it, then you can start taking ownership of it. Mm-hmm. And I think at least what I've started noticing, particularly with COVID and mm-hmm. quote, the social and physical distancing is a lot of people are doing that with their emotions too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just distancing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Just like distancing themselves from other people and from their own feelings. You mean like numbing out? Um, Oh, it's almost, I've said it before. I'll have to find the quote. I don't, I I can't tell you who it is right now, but it's one of my favorite things where, Mm -hmm. you know, Scott perfectly, Scott was perfectly happy living three feet next to himself. I mean, it's, it's almost, (laughs) it's almost like this personality (laughs) has separated (laughs) <laughs> um, 
and well, been, by the way they're been... like don't you think when you have had feelings of of sadness or anxiety it's like i really understand why people need to numb out it's really uncomfortable having that feel like sometimes even just when I'm anxious, I feel nauseous in my belly. That's a really uncomfortable feeling. I don't like it. And, and it takes a lot of strength to go, okay, let me breathe through this. Let me calm myself. And honestly, if I didn't have a lot of practice doing that, I probably wouldn't because it's hard. Right. Well, it, so, <laughs> so a lot of this comes down to what you and I've talked about. And I hate the word coping, by the way, but we, it is a coping mechanism. Yeah, We've yeah. talked a lot about creating a coping mechanism toolkit mm-hmm. all throughout uh-huh. this. I mean, it's what our retreat has in it. Yep. But even the, the show, we talk about coping mechanism skill sets mm-hmm. all through this. The reason mm-hmm. that, by the way, that I hate the term coping is mm-hmm. because I flat out reject the concept of having to endure as, oh. a, as a lifestyle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I would say that, you know, there, there hopefully are things you can fix that might be activators of your sadness or your anxiety or whatever. But sometimes we just run slow and low yes. and blue and like neurochemically that's depression or high and fast and wound up, which is the anxiety version of the yeah, neurochemical. A- a- absolutely. And, you know, yeah. just again, I'm not a uh-huh. doctor. I don't play one on uh-huh. TV. I can't prescribe, <laughs> but I'll invite anybody to go depending, of course, check with your doctor on drug interactions. We'll go take a look at, at over-the-counter ashwagandha. If, uh-huh. if any of you are having mm-hmm. these mood swings and, and the like, mm-hmm. who knows? Ashwagandha may work for you. Like, I am I, not, I am not, don't, don't confuse yeah. ashwagandha with ayahuasca. They are not the same thing. <laughs> no, although we did have an episode about ayahuasca. We did. Um, but I also would say there's still an ongoing. Okay. One of my points about getting control of your anxiety today is making sure that it's actually your anxiety and not someone else's. Perfect. For example, if you really have consulted with your doctor and your doctor keeps bringing up the option of medications, you know, whatever they are for anxiety or depression, and you just really aren't, aren't, willing to do that, just check and find out why, because I've had quite a few clients talk to me about a sense of shame or embarrassment that they need certain medications. And I just feel like if they had hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism and their thyroid wasn't working really great, and they needed to take a daily medicine for that, that they wouldn't have such self judgment or hatred. So where is your anxiety coming from? Yeah, you know, great. is it yours? Are, are you around? And cause I know, you know, are you Scott, to, like you're an empath, I'm an empath when we're around really anxious, controlling uptight people, you know, who are kind of having a freak out. It's yeah. hard to stay calm in the middle of that storm. So also are you around certain people that are running high or low and taking on those moods. Well, and this kind of leads into what I had had talked about before with the, the psychodrama stuff. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people unconsciously take on roles and personalities and emotions and feelings, yeah. not knowing they're doing it. It's unconscious. Yes, that and, makes sense. And so to a certain degree, it's as you start feeling, I mean, you're going to, you know, the activation, you know, what 
the, the, the rumbling in your stomach is. You know what the mm -hmm. butterflies are. You know what the a mm -hmm. pain in the neck is mm -hmm. or worse. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you know, when these physical manifestations, the self-actualization takes place, mm -hmm. use that as, as an, rather than saying, am I anxious? Mm -hmm. One of the quickest ways I think to find anxiety uh, and I'm using this as a catch-all term now, not a diagnosis, a catch-all is just say, what am I feeling in my body right now? Yes. Great. That's a great scan practice. Just what am I feeling? You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. something that certainly we use in hypnotherapy all the time because full body muscle relaxation is mm -hmm. a way to get you into to state. Mm -hmm. uh, Neurolinguistic programming is the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's, you go look in the mirror. Go look mm -hmm. and see where your shoulders are. Are they really up high like mm -hmm. that? Lower your freaking shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the quickest, by the way, anxiety reducing techniques, Amy Cuddy did entire studies on this through UCLA. I've talked about it before is go do your, your power poses. You know, you hold these power oh, poses. And, and so it just as a, again, a quick uh, resume of something that Michelle and I've chatted about uh, mm -hmm. before Pick your favorite superhero and yeah. or role model, but pick your favorite superhero, find his or her power pose. Usually arms, arms straight out at the side, hands on hip, arm in the air, like a shooting into the sky. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> if you feel yourself activated and you go and you want to become your favorite role model, you do that. And it, it will, the physiology will necessarily change the emotionality of all I have to admit, this. I feel a little better having just done my superpower pose. That's a great yeah. example. So that's always yeah. available to you. And, and by the way, I know that you talked about the difficulty of transitioning from an anxious state yeah, yeah. to breathing because yeah. I've experienced this, right? And, and yeah. I got to tell you, I never, I don't think, ever had an anxiety attack, experienced anxiety, the way I did until this year. Uh, oh. And it's, I usually don't talk about personal stuff. I wound up with the most am amazingly painful backache in my kidney oh. area. And it oh. felt like a horse had kicked me oh. in my back. And there was nothing there. I mean, there was no bruising. I don't remember trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And went to the doctor and he looked at my back and he said, well, congratulations, Scott, you have shingles. I went, what are you oh, talking no. about? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you have subsurface shingles. You can't even see it. He said, it's in the nerves. I went, what are you talking about? And he went on to explain yeah. it and wound up, you know, being treated and I'm fine now and got my shingles shot, et cetera. D did all that in the midst of the treatment. Uh -huh. The pain from the shingles. Yeah. I've never experienced anxiety like, and it was, a, yeah. so I want everybody to understand anxiety doesn't necessarily have to be triggered because of an emotional and or mental state. I get that it can be right. physically caused as well. Right. Right. But, but, it, but, it, but let me just explain real quick. Yeah. <laughs> shortness of breath, that whole pressure oh. on my chest thing, that feeling wow. like, Oh my God, I'm a, I'm a caged animal. And I just, it, you know, fra fractured thinking. It, uh -huh. And it was like the most unusual and uh, uncomfortable feeling I'd ever had. Uh, and it was finally explained to me that that's what shingles can cause because when it affects the nerves, it causes yeah. your body to go into this panic 
mode, even though you're not consciously doing it. Mm -hmm. So folks, one of the things, and Michelle, I know you want to say something. One of the mm -hmm. things that I'm not suggesting mm -hmm. is that you always turn to breathing. I do think you need to do that. That yes. takes practice. But here's a really simple technique that I've heard described two different ways. One is five, 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 and the other is three, three, three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's so, you know, it's very simple, whether it's five, five, five or three, 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 when mm -hmm. you catch yourself being anxious, you look around and you, mm -hmm. you glance around the room and you name either five or three things that you can see. Okay. Right. You pick yes. Three, five, five things or three things. Then okay. you list, then you notice five or three things that you can hear. Okay. And then you move five or three things on your body that you can feel. Ah. So like I can feel my feet inside my socks and my shoe. I'm going to move my that. I can feel my wedding ring on my finger. I'm going to move that. And I got to tell you, it actually uh -huh. works because it becomes a pattern interrupt to the anxiety. Ah. So and either five, start... five or three, I tend to want to get things done really quickly and it becomes three. So three. <laughs> three, three, three. So when you said five, 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 I thought you were talking about my like five by six method, which is, is this a five minute, a five hour, a five day, a five week, a five month, a five year issue. And then are you putting the right amount of energy towards the situation for the length of time that this issue could affect you? Right. Or are you yeah. putting a ton of energy towards a five minute issue like somebody cutting you off on the road? Are you really going to get enraged about that? You know, because they're just being a doofus on the road and you weren't hurt in any way, you know, that kind of thing. But what I was going to say before is um, the perfect example of making sure your anxiety is yours and not someone else's is. Uh, you know, Scott, you're such a calm presence in my life that as you were talking about the pain of your shingles and the pain in your body, I started feeling back pain. And, and so this is what I was trying to say is like, it's a perfect example of if you are an empath or you like care about somebody so much and suddenly you start recognizing you've got some stuff going on in your body that wasn't there. Is it because of the pain of somebody else around you that you're near? So that's what I was going to say. I'm glad you described it more, but I really was starting to have some back pain. Uh, I, and I, I thought, get, what the, where did that come from? Uh, again, it, it, for those of you who haven't <laughs> followed the show long enough, it never fails that something will happen in my life and be mirrored in Michelle's and vice versa, which is why we're going to be so careful this year when we do the, the, year, the, the, the word for next year. That show's yes. coming up. Yes, we're, we're not doing unflappable. Up. We're not doing unflappable again. Never again, <laughs> Scott, because you have made my year quite flappable. Flap flap <laughs> I've been flapping all over the place, um, like those it, weird sock puppets in the air. That oh, you know I've, about? I've said this before: standard <laughs> rule: be a weeble. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> be weeble. I am um, a weeble. The the other thing, and I knew this. Yeah. And I forgot it. Yeah. And it, I, it, one of uh, some, she listens to the show. One of uh, my dear friends known as the good witch reminded me um, <laughs> that for those of you who, who experience restless leg syndrome, it's a form of anxiety. Oh, is it? And you have parts of your body that are just reacting. I didn't know it was, it was connected to anxiety. Yeah. So um, among other things, lavender 
And she oh. turned me on to putting lavender soap. Oh. You put it in the sock, folks. Lavender okay. soap in your bed, okay. down by your legs. And so I was like, she's telling me this. It's like, no, that can't be true. <laughs> My, what? But okay, I went I and looked. Have- Okay. I, I challenge anybody, don't take my word for it. Well, I actually do, but go go Google. Go, try it. go Google lavender soap for restless legs and watch the studies and the doctors who have come in and said, this thing freaking works. Really? Now, is it a placebo? I really don't care. Mm. By the way, for those of you that don't remember, placebo means I please you. A nocebo <laughs> means I harm you. And the beauty of placebo studies is that even if you know it's a placebo, it freaking works. Yeah, That's the beauty of it. You can actually be told, you can be given sugar pills and told by the pharmacist, this is a sugar pill. Yeah. And because your head has registered, or my doctor said it will help me lose weight, or my doctor has said it will help me with depression, or my doctor has said it will help me X, Y, Z. Our minds have amazing abilities. To make connections where there might not otherwise be them. So I again, lavender, and for those of you who are into aromatherapy, the smell of of lavender will also help you de de stress. It's also good for fighting off mosquitoes. By the way, you know, see previous episodes where I complain about mosquitoes. There you go. (laughs) But Um, I don't know if you noticed that I sprayed myself with my mist congeniality. It's rose water. Oh, there you go. So I was in the middle and you were, uh, you know, I was telling you I had back residual back pain from you. And I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta break up the, just spray a little rose part. Can't do that in the middle of my session, but nobody's, nobody's filming us. So there you go. Little break up, a little mist, splash your face with water back. The thing that um, numbing out will not do for your anxiety is usually what comes down must come back up. So meaning if you're numbing out from TV or you're sleeping all day or you're alcohol or drugs or, you know, marijuana or whatever, usually when you get sober again, or you wake up again, your anxiety can come back in full force. So that's why learning to reset your actual chemical revving system through breathing, meditation, yoga, you know, the calming methods, um, maybe even aromatherapy, you know, I'll, I'll let that be revealed. It's important to reset your drive. You've got to lower your thermostat. If you run high work on lowering your thermostat on a regular basis, but not through substances that can cause you to just come back full force. Now, I'm, I'm going to use what you just said then to talk about another technique that we really have not spent a great oh, deal of time on. Okay. I, think we've, I think we've kind of hinted at it, okay. but we have not spent a great deal of time on that, okay. uh, on this. And that is how many of you, I'll just start with the how many of you have ever been depressed, gotten highly emotional, been activated, become anxious, et cetera, et cetera. You pick whatever you want. Uh, and then you go and find a song or a movie or a TV show that reinforces how you're feeling. Uh-huh. And it only makes it worse, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Let me go find the worst movie in the world, the one that just makes me want to shoot myself. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. While I'm depressed. Uh-huh. Um, and I've certainly got some of those movies. Michelle and I've talked about them off air. It's like there are <laughs> movies that I just, I don't know why they made these. Uh-huh. And yet I've said it. 
And others have said, oh, Scott, that's the best movie that's ever been made ever. I know, I know. And it's like, are you kidding me? So the opposite of this is actually equally <laughs> true. And that is how many of you have humor and mm -hmm. comedy that you can mm -hmm. turn to to help break the mood? And, you know, I've got some people that, that, that I just, you put the Marx Brothers on for me and mm -hmm. I'm gone. I, mm -hmm. it, it will instantly break the mood. <laughs> now I distinguish the Marx Brothers from the Three Stooges. I can't do the Three Stooges. You that can't. does nothing. For, I can't. Mo Larry the Cheese. Mo Larry the Cheese. No, no, no. I can't. Limburger. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's no, I want sophisticated humor, but I watch things <laughs> like that. I can tell you that one of my go-to TV shows uh -huh. is Whose Line Is It Anyway? These guys oh, that are so out good. there doing improv <laughs> that, you know, the, these improv guys who uh -huh. it's got Wayne Brady among others. Uh -huh. Not only it, it's sophisticated, uh -huh. stupid humor. I mean, yeah, these, yeah. these guys and gals are all still in high school in their yeah. minds. Yeah, yeah. It's all stupid locker room humor. jokes. And uh -huh. I just laugh out loud. And uh -huh. if anything serves as a mood buster, uh -huh. I encourage all of you turn to humor rather than turning to these other things. I used to do the same thing, by the way. Well, Seinfeld from Actually, one of our listeners. Seinfeld of our... always does it. Mm -hmm. Now, I got to tell you what's <laughs> funny. I have only seen, I think, about three Seinfeld episodes. I, I might have to challenge you to do like Seinfeld beginning to end. Uh, you know, otherwise you won't know like it, that I've convinced you to wear a pirate shirt. You won't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. I, I, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen three episodes. That's soup for you. One, <laughs> I saw the no, I saw the soup Nazi. <laughs> okay. I, I, I saw the soup Nazi. I saw the one where they challenged each other to go, how, how long you, can you go? Oh yes. How long can you go without having sex or orgasming? Was that it? I yeah. believe that was uh -huh, what it was. Uh -huh. They didn't really say what it was. Yeah, yeah they didn't. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was, I don't think it was, I, I think it was masturbation myself. Oh, it might have been. As I remember that. So they they were doing things for themselves. Uh -huh. And who, who's the guy with the crazy hair? Uh, Kramer. I think Kramer came in and just said, I'm done. <laughs> it was like, it was like an hour. We're done. It was like an hour. <laughs> um, yes, that and, was a good episode. <laughs> and then I saw I I did not see Serenity now, but they were talking about it was some show where they were talking about that, and they were actually sitting in the car on the uh -huh. street, uh -huh. and they were saying, "So what exactly are we talking about?" And it was the it was the very mm -hmm. tagline: "We're not talking about anything. We're talking about nothing." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is what Seinfeld is about, by the way. Now, some modern day ones, Bob's Burgers is the smartest, most wonderful cartoon on TV right now. And one of the reasons why I love it is the husband and wife actually love each other, even though they tease each other. So there's a lot of um, shows that are on where if you're in a married couple, they're miserable. And that that's pretty funny. And an older one that I love is... Uh, um, Frasier, of course, because he's a psychiatrist and so is his brother. And there's a lot of smart humor in Frasier. And uh, Brian just turned me on to something called Life in Pieces, which you have to watch. It's from 2015 and it's like several siblings and their parents and all these sides. I laugh out loud at every every freaking episode. I can't watch it at night when he's gone to sleep because I laugh too loud and wake him up. So life in pieces is my, is my new, um, 
And this is a Guilty great example. <laughs> this is a great example of as you think, even as you think of these these humorous yes. shows, these yes. comedies, notice how it's changing your state. Uh, yeah, I certainly don't have that back pain anymore. Um, which, 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 by the way, kind of brings me to one of the final things I was going to chat about today. And that is something that Michelle and I have talked about mm-hmm. and that's renaming or relabeling what it is you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've got anxiety mm-hmm. and I wound up doing this by the way, with what I was getting, it wasn't emotionally triggered. It was physically mm-hmm. triggered, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even that this works for, and that is I've been here before. Oh, yeah. I'm getting this. This is what's causing it. I've got anxiety. Yes. Yes. My body is responding to the pain that's in my back that I'm not noticing, but yes. internalizing. And it didn't kill me and is going to pass. Yes. And so it's kind of, it's taking whatever the state, the negative suboptimal state is that you are experiencing. I'm depressed. I'm grieving. I'm this. And give it a name. And so Michelle, I think you've, you certainly are a big proponent of naming things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. That, that quote from Mr. Rogers, yeah. if also, if you are worried about something, what's the likelihood that it'll happen? Can you name that out loud? Like what percentage chance do you have that it will happen? Is it possible? Or probable, because everything's possible, but not a lot of things are probable, meaning like 60, 70, 80, 90% that it's going to happen. So remembering that if it's not a high probability, what are you spending all that energy on? That's a super important thing to, to take a look at, especially with that you know, five by six rule. Is this something that's going to affect me for five years, for five months, for five weeks, and really spend the energy on your on your long range plans, not what you're going to have for lunch and how you're going to handle a holiday. That's one day a year and is happening in three days. You'll be fine. And and you, okay. (laughs) You'll be fine. You'll get through Thanksgiving. You will. And and this kind of brings (laughs) me to um, many of you have heard me talk about Tim Ferriss before. I really like the way he thinks Uh, he, he explores a lot of things. He became at least known to me through his uh, four hour work week book. Uh, which very funny. I took his four hour work week, work day, a work week book with me to Hawaii where I sat on the beach reading his book instead of enjoying the beach. So, um, you know, one, one of the things that Tim talks about, and I don't think it's his, but one of the things he talks about is his creating the nightmare scenario. Oh, tell me what you mean by that. And well, he literally defines his fear and he does this every month. I just pulled it up again on his website. And so what he does is every month he makes a list of all the things that are creating anxiety. I'm going to call it anxiety, all the bad crap, right? And then you rate it. And this is what, what Michelle was chatting about. And that is literally sitting down and saying, okay, here, here are all these things that are happening to me. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough friends. I don't have any family. I've lost my, the love of my life. My dog died. You pick whatever it is that, that is mm-hmm, creating mm-hmm. all this in your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to take a sidestep away from Tim Ferriss and just add my own annotation here for a moment. I tend to find that 
when you experience these things, what really starts creating the anxiety or the stress or the worry is the belief that you're always going to stay that way. Yeah. That things aren't going to get better. It's right, the right. belief that, oh my God, right? I, I've lost dear friends and family members this mm-hmm. past year. Yeah. I know that I will grieve and I know that I will get over it. Mm-hmm. But we'll survive it. I, I right? will. Sur- like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's the thing is, can you imagine what your worst possible fear is? And then can you imagine yeah. finding your way out of it and surviving it? And if so, maybe your fear is a little un- unnecessary, right? Well, like, I, I, yes. And so. I think that you internally know that either you will get over it, you right. don't want to get over it, or you don't know right. how to get over it. It's kind of those three things, right? Right. I will get through this. You probably don't need any of these techniques. Go sit with it. Right. Be, be wherever it is that you need to be. It's part of life's journeys, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I remember my wedding ring I was all upset because it got a ding in it mm-hmm. and I took it to the jeweler it's got koa wood so you can't do anything with this mm-hmm. right? you can't resize mm-hmm. it it it's mm-hmm. a wedding ring from Hawaii and it's mm-hmm. made of wood and beautiful the, the first thing the jeweler said when he looked at it when we went back uh, over there was oh look it's got this record of of your life and I started. If only real- I felt that way when I got a ding in my car from the parking lot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that's a much more beautiful way to think about your wedding ring. It and, is a record of your life. Yeah. All the and, dings we get are a record of our life, right? Yeah. And so that's one thing is to sit down uh-huh. and say, hey, look, life happened. It does. It's going to happen. It will. And right. Mm-hmm. Versus- and you're going to get dinged. Yeah. But versus- that doesn't mean it's. You know, you can't drive your car that you can't get through it. Exactly. And so the, 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 you know, I think it was Maria Forello made the term figure outable. If you're in a place <laughs> and you say, I don't know what the hell's going to happen, but whatever it is, it's figure outable. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I know I can handle this. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Then there are the situations where, I'm, I'm in this place and I'm afraid that it's going to last forever like this. We start awfulizing, mm-hmm. catastrophizing and taking mm-hmm. it to, I'm always going to be sad. I'm always mm-hmm. going to be depressed. Whatever label you want to put on it, I will mm-hmm. always be anxious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let the doctor's diagnosis define me. And it will always be like this kind of like, you won't die from it. You're going to die with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate those things, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or it's the ones that you're just lost right? You're, you're not even imagining the worst. You're just freaking lost. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. You take the last two, the ones where you've got this fear that it will continue and you're going to have to be that way forever, or the fear mm-hmm. that you'll never find your way out again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That you've, you're, you're <laughs> the rule of holes, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've not only started digging one while you're standing in it, you started filling it in while you're still standing in the hole. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. rule of holes, do not fill in the hole while you're standing in it. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. Let, let me, let me finish real mm-hmm. quick. So with Tim Ferriss's thing, you write down all of these fears, you write down mm-hmm. all the nightmares, all the horrible things, all the, the, the nasty, what ifs, mm-hmm. and then next to it, you figure out what could go wrong. What, what, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that could happen? 
Um, and then you actually assess those on a scale of one to 10. You give, you do your own little suds analysis with them. Mm -hmm. um, and you figure out, can I prevent it or can I repair it? Mm -hmm. And just Beautiful this exercise, method. very, you know, very similar to, to many cognitive behavioral therapy techniques mm -hmm. and journaling. Um, mm -hmm. It's, you start looking at this going, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be this way. And as again, I look at all of this stuff as pattern interrupts for the way that we, we normally handle anxiety, fear, worry, and stress. It's, it's another tool for you to be able to sit back and say, I don't have enough money. I, I'm going to go, well, the big thing I've always said, C-suite people, people who are really uh, rich, et cetera, all have this fear of being homeless. That's a, mm. They just have this fear. I'm going to be homeless. Okay. What does that actually mean? What's the worst that could happen? I could be fucking homeless is what it, that's right. They're going to tell you. Mm. All right. And then you start and looking. Then you, what? Well, then you go through this process and you start realizing the reality of that happening. Mm -hmm. You know, you're putting all this worry into being home, homeless mm -hmm. when the reality is you might have to not get a yacht this year. <laughs> mm -hmm. and it, it, again i can't tell you in the scope of a podcast how everybody's individual perspectives will change mm -hmm. but it's a wonderful exercise for anybody to do is to sit down and do this fear creation mm -hmm. actually look your fears in the eye as mm -hmm. michelle loves to say give them names yeah and talk freaking back to them mm-hmm you, you know, if you have a spiritual belief practice, what I was going to add to this is many of my clients, I have them write out each individual fear or potential worry that they have concern that they have. And I put it in a hope box or a God box. I know you don't like the word hope, but the idea of, you know, I'm just going to give this some time and stop letting it take my current day energy. And many of them have, have talked about how those fears either, either never came true or they worked out better than, than they thought they would. So that's a, pulling in a spiritual belief practice. You can also stick them in a jar or a shoe box or a box in your closet and just pray over them, meditate over them, release them, let go of them, you know, really actively, you know, put them away because if they're not current day issues that you can work on, but there's something like, you know, I'm worried that my five-year-old is not going to get into the college of his dreams. Well, please put that in the damn box. Like, it's a five-year-old. It's okay. Or, yeah. or um, with some of my clients, I have them make an appointment with their worry or their fear. So it's a 15-minute block on that's, like one day a week. Maybe That's a great one. Uh-huh. And then the timer goes off and that's enough. And every time that worry resurfaces, you practice thought stopping. Nope, that's enough. You have to wait for our next appointment. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, which, which by the way, ties in with how we started the show. And I think because of the time we'll end it on this. I, I talked to you before, I talked earlier about the folks who are saying, you know, I, I can't afford a coach. I don't want to afford a coach. I don't want to do all these things with a therapist. Yeah. yeah. And then I said, well, what's it going to cost you if you don't? One of the yeah. beautiful things that you can do with your anxiety, your fear, your worry, your stress, if it is, so you've got the God box or hope box, as Michelle calls it, where you put the things that are, is my five-year-old going to get into college someday? You stick <laughs> that in there. With the things that are more imminent, 
or more pressing. This is where you do exactly the same process I talked about before. And you say, what is my life going to look like in six months, one year, five years, if I don't do anything about it? Right. And it starts again, that little mind shift. Where where are you going to be in six months if things don't change? Yeah. Where are you going to be in a year if things don't change? Yeah. Where are you going to be in five years if things don't change? And at that point, you're going to start seeing, wait a minute. I'm going to get up off my behind. I'm going to let this show serve as a a lighter fluid fluid for this. And I'm going to become a heat seeking missile. And I'm not going to let this take my life over anymore. Mm -hmm. Enough is enough. That is not to say, by the way, folks, I'm going to end end at least my portion on this. As, As someone who writes songs and poetry and the thing and stuff like that, I can tell you, so I think some of my best writing comes from places of sadness. Me too. And place, places of deep emotion. Mm-hmm. It can serve a purpose as well. If you embrace it as that. Yes. Right? I mean, many, many of the Absolutely. most famous songwriters will tell you, don't take away the freaking drama in my life because it serves as the food and the fuel for what I create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you don't want to do is to let it control you. Yeah. I concur. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) Serenity now. (laughs) Serenity now. Next week, we are going to talk about guilty pleasures. Ooh, yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum. I didn't say tasty pleasures, but okay. <laughs> it can also be that guilt, guilty pleasures. Uh, again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for putting this over the 4,000 listen mark. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do. Please uh, do us a favor, like, subscribe, and comment on your favorite platform, whatever it is you listen to, because it does, it helps us yes. with keeping track of all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to add, Michelle? Practicing gratitude today, I will say I'm grateful for each of you out there for listening in. And I'm grateful to you, Scott, and to our listeners that come and watch us live, just chit chat back and forth. This is a really beautiful experience for me. And I'm I'm profoundly grateful that uh, we are at 4,000 plus listens. That's pretty, pretty rad. Wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I, I will add to that, that all of you uh, in the United States who have Thanksgiving coming up, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, make sure you practice all of that. And for those of you worldwide, whenever your Thanksgiving is and whenever you listen to the show, uh, thankfulness and appreciation and gratitude are going to take you further uh, than anything else you might have because it forces you into uh, humility. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be loved. And you have a life of ease. Bye-bye. Yay. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.